Hello, viewers and listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Slaves to the Algo. I'm Suresh Shankar, founder and CEO of Crayon Data, an AI and big data startup, a podcaster, and host of this podcast, Slaves to the Algo. That's right, Slaves to the Algo. Why? Because algos are taking over our lives. Algorithms and data seem to rule everything. Slaves to the Algo is an attempt to demystify this age by sharing my learnings and those of leading professionals in their fields to understand how they are using and being used by algorithms in their daily and in their business lives. Over the past few episodes and seasons, we witnessed how data and AI has taken over the world of sports, of healthcare, government, education, marketing, travel. What continues to amaze me is that even the biggest thing that we do, where we spend our time today, which is the world of media and content, is completely being influenced by developments in data and AI. Not all of that future is dystopian, not all of it is utopian, but I do think that we would all be better served if we understand how data and algorithms are actually running our lives today. The media landscape, right, from content curation to editing to matching the right content to the consumer to targeting people is completely being changed by the use of data and AI. And to talk us through some of these changes and how in fact, it is the age of the algorithm. We have today a media and advertising wizard with over 25 years of experience. Welcome to the show, uh, Srini. Srini is um, an ex-colleague. Uh, he's had a very distinguished career for well over, you know, close to three decades in media. He pretty much created the media buying revolution with, the, with his first job, which was in uh, a, a small agency then called Fulcrum, which is now, I think, the forerunner of the entire media buying industry. And from there, he's gone on to multiple bigger and assignments in, in various, in various uh, companies like Madison, Group M, uh, the Publicis Group, etc. But now he sits the pinnacle of the Indian media landscape as the chairman of WPP, which is clearly the big daddy of the advertising and media industry in, 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 in India and globally. So welcome to the show, Srini, and thank you for being on this podcast. Thanks for having me, Suresh. Great to be meeting you after ages. Srini, I think one of the things that, you know, even in the career when we work together, you've always been both a numbers guy and a creative person, you know, and it's a very funny thing because you came up through the media world where people have traditionally been all about the numbers and like, you know, what the data shows. But you've also, I think, as a person, um, been somebody who's been profoundly creative and innovative in the way you approach it and many of the transformations you've driven. But before we go into that, I think I have a more personal question for you. Could you give us one example of a, an algorithm that, you know, that kind of affected you either in your business or, you know, as your, as a personal life, you know, beyond all these recommendations engines that the Amazons and all that do. And you said, wow, I didn't know the data could do that. Uh, any example like that that you can share? Yeah, maybe I can talk about, uh, you know, the world of music uh, and the fact that, you know, I, mean, I guess most of us are music buffs in some way or the other and all grown up listening to all kinds of music, right? Uh, but off late, Suresh, uh, I also tried to, uh, you know, learn playing the tabla. You know, it's always been a, a childhood uh, kind of a dream to one day be able to uh, play the percussionist, I guess. So I actually went and uh, did it the traditional way. I went to a school uh, some years back. In fact, interestingly, I kicked my job, uh, joined a tabla school. And for one day, I just learned the tabla. I was so, so passionate about it. Uh, and then, of course, I got back into the corporate world. Uh, you know, I didn't really have a uh, regular teacher, but I 
still did have a few of the gurus coming home every now and then. Uh, and then, of course, uh, once I got really back into the thick of things, there was no time, right, for, for tabla or practice or for the gurujis coming home. But thanks to COVID, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, all of us locked down at home, I kind of rediscovered uh, the passion. And uh, thanks to, you know, YouTube to start with, and then a host of other apps, uh, I started learning, uh, or, or rather relearning the tabla. So in fact, nowadays, what I do, Suresh, is, uh, of course, listen to music through various uh, streaming platforms. But every week, I try and uh, pick a song or a tune, which by end of the week, in my mind, at least, I need to kind of rehearse and memorize the tabla beats. And all the weekend, it's a major project for me. I, uh, I play the tabla to that particular tune or song. Uh, and you know, in tabla, there's a system of tals, which is a system of beats. So I think the first thing is to figure out which tal is a particular tune or song uh, set to. And in most cases, uh, that's the part I'll come to. In most cases, you, you know, it's, it's, you just figure it out yourself. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, you, you, you create that whole piece. And then, I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, too much of the social media at this age, but I share it with a few close friends every weekend and I, and I get their uh, feedback. One of the things I wish uh, there was an algo, maybe there is and I haven't discovered it as yet, is if I play a tune or a song, feed it into this machine, it should give me the tal immediately and say, this is the tal. And beyond that also say, by the way, if it's Kairava tal or Teen tal or Dadra tal, each of these tals also have a lot of variation. And you know, different Hindi songs use different variations of the tal. So it's very interesting. Yeah. I'm surprised there isn't an app that does that because Shazam does that by telling you the song. Yeah, it's very easy for every song to know the attributes like the tal and the beat and the whatever else there is. You can find it out. So yeah. maybe there's an idea in it out there for some startup guy to go out there and create this. And, and I think it's also a great example of, uh, you know, human beings and AI uh, collaborating, right? Because there are there are people I follow who actually are kind enough to, uh, you know, tell you what the tal and, and rag of a particular song are. So you kind of take a little bit from there. And then you kind of try it out. So yeah, so that's, I guess, uh, something which uh, keeps me going, frankly. <laughs> and I'm sure, and, and, and are you kind of a person, uh, you know, just sticking on that to topic of the tabla and the tal, are you the kind of person who gets drawn to certain beats and certain tals and that's what you keep doing? Or are you, uh, I mean, does the algorithm of the tal point you towards a filter bubble where it's the same thing or is it open a wider world of discovery? You know, it's strange, Suresh. Uh, I think I would I would put it down to the mood. Actually, you know, there are there are a couple of tals which, at least for me, are easier than the others, and they're also more popular, especially amongst uh, Hindi film songs. Kerala tal, for example, is probably the most mm -hmm. popular tal. And I, you know, I'm a crazy R. D. Burman, Kishore Kumar fan. So a lot of those songs, uh, for example, are set to this tal. Uh, so it depends on the mood. So if it's you know, it's something which I really want to do and feel nice and happy about and, and share with a few close friends. I pick a song from there. And some of the tals are a little bit more classical. A Rupak Tal, for example, uh, you know, some of the songs of the movie Abhiman, you may remember, the lovely numbers are set to this tal. It's, they're a little bit more classical. So I reserve those for uh, moments or days or periods where, you know, I feel like you know, I really get, need to get into the zone, learn something, you know, feel a bit accomplished at the end of the day and try it out. And you know, it's so interesting you talk about it because it's such a different take. We all talk about the Spotify playlist and the Netflix recommendation. But in essence, that's what they're trying to do, right? I mean, we all know the mood, the, the emotion that the music evokes in us. 
but that emotion is based on certain pretty much scientific things. I mean, math and music are very closely related right. and that creates that emotion. So in some way, you're actually saying um, what it is that there is an underlying symmetry and a data set and a mathematics to music, which is what drives our emotion. And uh, there's a lot of interesting work going, but I think there's somebody out there who's going to create the thing that can deconstruct the tal for you. But uh, Srini, quickly moving on, I think, into the, uh, the creative world that you are in, you've seen uh, a tremendous amount of change in the last 25 odd years, right? Where right from when there were only two things, right from in India used to watch the Mahabharata at 10 o'clock and 90% of India were sitting in front of the television to, you know, the satellite TV revolution to digital, the onset of digital and now social and then that's taking over. And somehow, somewhere, the advertising industry has kind of literally been taken over by the Facebooks and the Googles of the world, right? Which account for most of that. It's something that was coming. It was visible eight, 10 years ago, but most people sat like with an ostrich and didn't notice it. And you now lead WPP. And there's a whole bunch of transformations that are happening. Could you walk us through how you see that landscape and what are the transformations of how, uh, not just advertising, but I think how data and AI are completely changing the way I think uh, brands and, and, and agencies are looking at the business. Right. Yeah, all, all very valid uh, points, Suresh. I think, uh, I mean, being a good media guy at Heartland first, start some numbers just to put things in perspective. Uh, and I'm, I'm quoting from uh, the recent Group MTYNY report, you know, the annual forecast that we put out on media spends and how each medium is doing, etc. Now for the year 2022, that is the current calendar year, uh, digital is uh, expected to be the number one medium in India in terms of ad spend. Uh, finally, the day has dawned, Suresh, where digital has overtaken TV. So 45% of the total ad spend in India is uh, going to be on digital media in the year 2022, uh, followed by TV, which is a shade less than 40%, but 39 odd. So digital and TV together is 85%. Now, interestingly, if you look at the global uh, you know, number, uh, digital plus TV globally is also 85%, except that you know, the interplay uh, between digital and TV is, is obviously different. Uh, globally, it's, it's more like 66% digital. And uh, you know, a little less than twenty percent on on TV. India, it's it's still a uh, little bit more even in in that sense. So only fifteen percent going to the other media, and uh, the massive growths have actually come in the last few years. Uh, and and in fact, the last two years uh, post COVID, uh, the numbers or the spends on digital uh, have have really shot up. Uh, and and I mean, reasons are obvious, right? I mean, uh, cheaper data prices, people spending more time at home, uh, video taking off in a big way, uh, so on and so forth. So I think the fundamental change in our business is that, you know, earlier we were, you know, as agencies, as organizations, we were, I would say, managers of throughput largely, uh, you know, just managing, uh, let's say, the flow between the medium and the, and the consumer, creating the messaging, mm -hmm. doing the media planning, et cetera, et cetera. I think today we have an opportunity to, to play a far more meaningful role uh, in our clients' business because of all of this uh, disruption and chaos that is, that is happening outside. And, and today, as long as you, know, you make the right investments in data and technology, most importantly in talent, uh, you, know, you can kind of, uh, I would say, thrive in this chaos. Maybe we'll talk about it a little later in the conversation, but uh, you know, there are several examples where we've been able to kind of move up the value chain, so to speak. Uh, you know, given what's happening around us. 
And it's interesting you're saying, you know, for the first time, digital is overtaking television in India, and that's a big, big moment. And but it's still 85%. So, you know, are you seeing TV also growing with this thing? Because, you know, the Indian economy is growing, or is it just like digital is like TV is flat or dropping and like digital is like kind of uh, every year taking another 10% of market share from from the television pie? Yeah, I would say India is one of the few markets where TV is still uh, a very uh, resilient uh, kind of a business and, and a medium. Uh, and we all know the big TV properties that even today are massive draws for consumers, for advertisers. Uh, and given the just the complexity of the market, the number of languages, the uh, you know socioeconomic stratification, etc., for some time to come, uh, TV is going to remain uh, an important medium. Which is why. How much of that TV has shifted to this? Um... To, the, to watching on a device as opposed to the conventional, I watch it on a TV set in the living room. Yeah, so I would say in the recent past, uh, with video taking off in a big way, a lot of the, uh, I wouldn't say a lot of the shift, but I think in certain demographics, definitely uh, a massive shift has happened to viewing it on screens. I mean, it's not just the younger audience who, uh, for example, watch uh, even some of the big cricketing uh, you know, tournaments on the small screen. But even uh, people across demographics uh, who may, may never have had a TV or uh, you know, straight away going to the uh, mobile phone and uh, watching it uh, for entertainment, news, whatever else. So there are these cohorts which are emerging, which are perhaps consuming more uh, of all of this on mobile versus, versus television. But if you, if you step back and kind of average it out across the whole segment or the whole population, uh, you, know, uh, you know, TV still commands uh, a decent share. So it's, I mean, it's, it's uh, obviously studies in the last many years that have been done, you know, when there are these debates on digital versus TV is, you know, it's really a combination of the medium and it's a judicious mix uh, that I guess is needed even today in a brand like India. And I'm sure you know this, Suresh, uh, very interestingly, if you look at the big spenders on TV in the last few years, they've been the tech brands. Absolutely. Uh, you know, they've been the tech brands. They've been, uh, in fact, right now it's gaming, uh, it's, it's fintech. Crypto, uh, yeah. Crypto and all of that. Which is spending on TV, and uh, I mean, somebody sitting outside will say, "I mean, this is going against the grain. What are these guys doing on such a mass?" And that is exactly my question to you. I mean, why are these brands on television? I mean, if you're on tech, why are you not on your? Yeah, so, so so even today, I mean, if you really have to create an impact in a short span of time, uh, you know, across India, uh, which is what most of these brands uh, companies are trying to do, uh, television is the one which kind of delivers that impact fastest. So especially if you're I guess, an evaluation game and you want to really make a mark, uh, it's a medium you kind of can't do without. Of course, you need to have a certain amount of scale and, and budget for that. But uh, I guess most of these players have that. And, and that brings me to, uh, I think, the role of what I think, you know, 25 years ago you would do and I would be doing, which is, you know, the way the way media is being planned, right? It's very easy when you had to go and you had 10 things to choose from. But now when you've got literally... Um, I think a couple of different things that right? one is digital itself is like, you know, completely there are millions of places on television. You have like, you know, hundreds of channels and spots and so on. And then you have so many other medium coming up. How is the role of the, um, the media person changing in this whole thing from terms of planning and doing that? I mean, what's a day look like? I mean, we always use data, but we, I remember doing it on paper. 30 years ago and then it was a little bit of super Midas and a computer algorithm so what's the day in the life of that looking right I mean are they kind of surrendering to the algorithm and letting that do it and focusing on other things or are they actually still shaping the way money is being spent so okay maybe I'll answer it in two parts Suresh. maybe I'll first talk a bit more about uh, 
the macro, let's say, advertising or marketing services landscape, uh, mm -hmm. you know, how that has got disrupted or uh, the other way of looking at it is what are the opportunities. And then I'd probably drill down a little more into uh, specifically around media, et cetera. Now, uh, again, I mean, looking at looking at numbers, uh, if you look at projections from different sources on the marketing services landscape in general, you know, which are the different parts that are that are growing, you know, e-commerce. If you if you look at it as a as an area where uh, you know we as agencies could could play a role, and and definitely we have to, given the way it's taking off, you know, uh, you know that the projections that it will grow at a CAGR of around thirty percent. Uh, over the next four to five years, maybe by 2025, 26. If you look at uh, marketing technology or, or technology-led kind of assignments and consulting, again, you know, projections uh, say that uh, it will grow anywhere between maybe 40 and 50 percent in the next uh, four to five years as as a service or uh, as an opportunity. Uh, if you look at experience and all experience management, customer experience, brand experience, and all the services that you can kind of bring to the table there, again, you know, very high growth projected. Over the next four or five years. Now, as against that, if you look at the traditional advertising service, uh, which all of us have kind of grown up doing, you know, the, the CAGRs are in like low single digits for the next four or five years. Mm -hmm. So, very clearly, for anyone who wants to be in the agency business today, and, and if you want to kind of grow your business, the areas to focus on are commerce, uh, consult, uh, technology consulting, and, and experience or so experience management. These really are the growth drivers uh, and, and, and are the ones which. <coughs> contribute a significant portion of your revenue if you're still in business in the next five years. While on the other, I'm not saying the other side is not important, the advertising, the creative product, media product, PR and branding and all of that, absolutely important even today. And we just spoke about it. But there it's all about transformation. There it's all about how to use technology, AI, ML and, and everything else to ensure that uh, you, know, you have a, a, a service or a product which is more contemporary. So in a nutshell, what the agency really needs to do is to figure out, you know, how to be a startup and grow in areas like commerce, technology and, and experience. And on the other side, wear your traditional hat and say, how do I kind of reinvent uh, the old stuff that I'm doing and, and the areas we, we, we obviously spoke about. So that's what's happening at a, I would say, at a, at a macro level as, as a marketing services industry. But coming down to media specifically, we, we again spoke about how the media mix has changed globally and, and even in India. And even if you look at within the digital uh, advertising pie, programmatic advertising is about 35 to 40% in our estimate. And, and again, growing, uh, you know, kind of year after year. And uh, with the kind of, uh, you know, uh, challenges you're facing on the, on the data side, again, maybe we'll talk about it later, uh, you know, the need for uh, media planners, buyers to be firstly, uh, a lot more creative with data, a lot more uh, knowledgeable, knowledgeable about you know, what kind of data stacks to, to kind of leverage, how do you enrich data stacks, and how do you kind of use that to drive personalization at scale, uh, you know, being, a, being a media person. So gone are the days of, uh, uh, and these will sound familiar maybe, you have these four or five massive media partners and you do these you know, four or five annual deals for the year and you're covered, right? I mean, today it's like, uh, Almost on a daily basis, you're kind of, of course, a lot of it is being done by the algos, but you're optimizing, re-optimizing, pinpointing, uh, and working with a you know, host of partners, not just, yes, media partners are there, but data partners, tech partners, content partners, uh, and, and the ecosystem has got, therefore, a lot broader, and, and your job involves uh, you know, creativity and data going hand in hand, 
to kind of deliver this. And, and that's a question I have to wanted to absolutely get to because you come to the crux of it, right? You started off as a media person. Now you're head of WPP. Yeah. Media is a big part of it, but obviously there's the creative agencies that are doing this, right? How are creative people, you know, kind of doing it in this age when everything seems to be a small snippet or a little widget that's happening? You know, when you're telling them data shows this, how are creative people, uh, you know, reacting to this whole thing? And how is that changing the, the way in which uh, brands are being built? Yeah, I guess, I guess all folks today understand that, uh, you know, as, as agencies, we, we have, firstly, we sit in a very, very unique position, right? We sit at the confluence of brand, consumer, media, technology, you know, it's all, it's all happening around us and we pretty much sit at the center. And I think what we have going for us, uh, you know, firstly, are the longstanding client relationships that we have, the fact that we, you know, understand brands and consumers, we believe better than, uh, you know, most other partners. Uh, and, and, and obviously, you know, the, the creative uh, strengths, et cetera, that we have. Now, if you look at uh, marketing, again, I'm taking a step back just to make a point, Suresh. If you look at the marketing budgets today, and uh, you, could, you could see this uh, in the Gartner report for 2021, uh, uh, you know, in terms of the CMO spend summary, technology today accounts for the maximum chunk of any marketer's budget. I mean, this is a global number, 26 odd percent. And uh, the amount they spend through agencies is actually the lowest number. It's about 23 odd percent. And what's in between is obviously the amount they spend on, on, on the, you know, their own uh, talent and, and so on and so forth. But technology is already the biggest chunk of their budget. Now, if you see across the board, uh, of course, it started with, uh, you know, categories like maybe financial services, auto, uh, which were more uh, data savvy, which made uh, early investments in, in digital uh, which and, and who were also more performance kind of uh, oriented uh, to kind of start in a way uh, moving more towards performance driven creative and performance driven kind of advertising. But now FMCG players, uh, once digital acquired a certain amount of scale and once video and vernacular and everything else started taking off, metrics started falling in place. And slowly they started uh, shedding some of their mental models and have you know embraced uh, digital as well. So, and, and of course, in, in, in their own way, uh, you know, it brings in uh, a lot of innovation as well, apart from, uh, you know, driving uh, more, uh, you know, bottom of the funnel kind of metrics. So uh, today, if you are, uh, whether you're in the creative department or, or a PR company or a branding company, you can't escape from uh, the fact that there is technology all around you, which is making it easier for the consumer, first of all, to kind of consume your brand, consume your messaging, consume your storytelling. Uh, it's making it easier for the for the brands and products to kind of uh, reach out to kind of diverse audiences. So so I guess it's how do you kind of uh, use all of these as enablers to kind of uh, sharpen your your art uh, and how do you kind of complement all of these? Are there, are there any examples, senior brands that have done this whole fusion of the creativity, the art side, and the actual data side? Any things that yeah, you guys have there, are, there are lots of examples but one very recent example uh, is of course the Cadbury's uh, it's not just a Cadbury's ad campaign uh, brilliant work uh, done by Ogilvy and Wavemaker both WPP agencies in India collaborating all the way and working with partners uh, you know who, who kind of help kind of stitch all of this kind of together and here it was uh, you know India's number one you could say brand ambassador uh, Shah Rukh Khan, whose uh, kind of video and voice and everything else was, was used and using AI and ML, we were able to kind of uh, get down to 
creating kind of uh, zillions of avatars of Shahrukh, uh, which the local trade uh, could then kind of uh, leverage to kind of drive local trade promotion. So it was a, it was a brilliant uh, campaign with a lot of purpose kind of embedded in it. Of course, the video is there for all to see on YouTube, the case studies explained. But that's a great example of how, you know, creativity, data, uh, technology, partnerships, uh, and collaboration at the end of the day, internally and uh, with, with the client. And, and of course, a very, very supportive client uh, who, was, who was pushing us uh, uh, to kind of push the envelope all the time. Uh, made this made this a great example. Yeah, I, I don't know whether last year, not 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 this Diwali, but the pre previous year when you guys ran the ad, I don't know whether you saw the Crayon Data spoof on the ad, uh, where we said, you know, if you use really data, you should use that. That's a separate conversation. But you were sorry, you were going on. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I'm saying that's 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 an example, uh, and I mean there are of course it's inspired uh, uh, a lot of other such work to happen over the last few months, uh, and also if you look at. Uh, purely in media and uh, again the, the, the conversation we had earlier right around uh, using data uh, in a creative way to sometimes target demographics that are otherwise very difficult to reach in India. You know in India you have this challenge that uh, you, you, you could you, it's not just the uh, millennials and uh, so-called tech savvy audiences uh, you could you could do fun things with uh, but you could equally do a very interesting work uh, to appeal to demographics who are in media dark markets, perhaps only have a feature phone, not even a not even a, a proper smartphone, but have a feature phone. And again, the kind of work that Mindshare uh, Fulcrum uh, Suresh has done off late uh, for for brands like Lifeboy uh, is just amazing. I mean, what started off, let's say, a few years ago, where they created like what they call an adaptive data lighthouse. Again, it's a case study widely published and uh, your viewers could check it out. It also won at Cannes. You know, the Adaptive Data Lighthouse, uh, you know, some years ago was about marrying data from kind of uh, different streams, uh, you know, using modeling, et cetera, to ensure that uh, these demographics in, in rural India, uh, you know, get targeted with, with messaging, with call-ins on, on feature phones, talking to them about disease and so on and so forth. And from there to uh, today, in the age of AI and bots and all of that, uh, Mindshare Fulcrum, again, working with partners, has created a video bot. You know, there's a video bot as well as a voice bot. Uh, and, you know, feature phones have also got a little fancier uh, today in India. Uh, and some of them have uh, the ability to kind of deliver, uh, you know, this kind of uh, innovation. So today there are, there are uh, you know, doctors in the form of video and voice bots uh, who are kind of, uh, through feature phones, educating uh, folks uh, who are still in, you know, media dark areas, wow. uh, you know, about, about disease and, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm really glad to hear that Fulcrum is still kind of trailblazing. I mean, you know, considering all the things that kind of, you know, we were doing in that room or in that building 25 years ago, it's really good to hear that. Um, but Siri, I have a question for you. And I think this is more about, you're the head of WPP, you're sitting in there, the landscape's changing. You just said like, you know, fundamentally, everything is moving under your feet. Digital has already overtaken television. It's probably going to go to 66, like in the other markets. You have a thing where in that digital space, there are now two large players who are dominating that space and who are literally taking over. Um, you, How do you see an agency business now competing where literally anybody can go there and say, listen, I can go directly onto a, in, in these platforms and advertise and so on. What's the... I mean, hasn't the data and AI revolution democratized access to all of these platforms and 
and advertising in a way where the agency business is kind of disintermediated? Yeah, it depends on how you look at it, Suresh. I mean, if we had stayed back in time and said that our job is to make advertising, our job is to kind of deliver that advertising, I think uh, a lot of it, I won't say all of it, but I think a lot of it today could be done by uh, a platform on its own, a publisher uh, or a bunch of startups, right? Or, or smaller companies. And we could be totally kind of out of the business. Uh, but given, uh, you know, the, the chaos that's happening outside, what we spoke about, uh, the opportunities in commerce, the opportunities in, uh, in experience, in, in, in MarTech, and, and so on and so forth. I think, uh, and, and the fact that we sit at the center, I think the other way of looking at it is to say that we perhaps have the best uh, seat in the house when it comes to guiding, uh, you know, the client ecosystem in terms of managing this change. So at WPP, we actually, we call it creative transformation. You know, we, if, if you really want to transform your business, your brands, your marketing or whatever else, you know, within WPP, we have all that it takes to kind of drive creative transformation because we have specialists when it comes to, let's say data insights, understanding the consumer uh, and the brand. Uh, we, we've obviously got uh, very, very long-standing relationships and very deep understanding of brands and, and sectors and so on and so forth, given the portfolio that we kind of manage. Uh, the creative expertise that we have in-house, uh, the, the media expertise and, you know, all the other elements of the marketing value chain. So uh, as long as, you know, we are able to do two things, Suresh. One is, I think gone are the days of working in silos. Uh, if you're able to kind of integrate your services as much as possible, it doesn't mean you kind of dissolve all these companies and make it one amorphous unit because that again has its own challenges. Mm -hmm. But we believe, we believe we can follow a best of both worlds approach where on the one hand, you strengthen your operating companies, but then you build client service or client delivery models which are a lot more integrated. And that's what we've done. In India today, for example, for our top 20 clients, we work in a very, very joined up fashion and we have a designated WPP client leader for these clients. So it's sounding uh, more and more like Accenture and IBM because that's what they do, right? There's a bunch of different people and practices and- Yeah, that's and the first step, but that's the first step. That's the first step. That's an important first step. That's an important first step because uh, some years ago, even the creative and media won't talk to each other, right? And, right. Uh, and then, and then there's there's a lot of leakage in that sense. Uh, but but having done that, having done that, uh, you know the opportunities you have to kind of get into more strategic areas. For example, uh, in a, in a, in a particular case, we have uh, developed the entire data strategy for one of our large uh, FMCG clients, uh, and this was done by putting together a a team across different organ, different opcos of WPP. Uh, and, and we helped the client uh, not just come up with the data strategy, but you know actually kind of run it to almost transform their marketing now. And we've been doing it for the last year plus. So client building up their first party data stack, we helping kind of enrich that. And then we, you know, building a whole host of use cases. In fact, we started the other way around because sat down and identified the use cases so that we, you know, we're able to make the judicious investments and set the direction and uh, and then of course do all the execution that comes downstream because that's something which anyway we, we are able to do so yeah what you said is absolutely right this this model helps us go towards you know a consulting plus execution kind of a model which again is very unique right we have people either doing one or the other and i'm going to go back to an interesting statistic that i just kind of uh, see and i've personally seen this um, you know, in my own transition from being an agency into first saying, you know, into being an advertising guy to saying, 
data will lead the future. I set up analytics, now I do AI and big data, right? But here's the interesting thing that, uh, you know, it is. The global retail market is 25 trillion, e-commerce is 9 trillion. All the advertising, the global advertising market in the world is 700 billion, digital is half of that. In a funny way, the whole commerce revolution where people, a consumer can go directly and buy something as literally, and the fact that access and all that stuff has made it possible for every consumer and every seller to talk to each other has uh, almost in a way changed the dynamic of advertising, right? And you know, uh, if you really look at it, how do you see in this new world where there'll be almost direct commerce between any consumer, any, any product that's going out there, there still needs to be a medium. I mean, you know, we need to still connect the messaging. Don't you think that the old advertising model is not going to be the, uh, you know, the way of the future when a brand can directly say, I have a hundred million consumers, I'm going to talk to them directly um, on that stuff. What's your take on this? I mean, you know, it's an interesting development. Yeah, I, as I, think, I think like everything else, models evolve uh, and need to evolve with time. I think some elements of, uh, of the so-called old approach are, are still there. Uh, I think the uh, most importantly, I think the power of the, idea or, or, or the creative element. I mean, you may talk a lot about data, technology, AI, ML, et cetera, but even today it's, it's the part of the idea or the raw creativity that really moves the needle, right? So I think that's, that's first and foremost something which we need to kind of recognize and kind of respect. And whatever else we do as an organization, we need to ensure that it only gets strengthened. So I think that's one part. I think the other part is, uh, is relationships. And I think whether it's the relationships that you build with clients, the relationships you build with partners, you know, how can they get more meaningful? How can they, you know, uh, ensure that, you know, you're able to really collaborate at strategic levels uh, to kind of uh, drive a change and all of that. So I think some of but those things- the relationship between the brand and the consumer itself changing when I can go direct into so many things, right? I don't have to use the traditional mask kind of a thing. I mean, it really depends upon the experience I'm offering. You talked about the tabla, right? It's about, is there a Shazam-like app which creates an experience and a relationship between me and yeah. that? Yeah. But, but, but Suresh, that's, while all of those things are enabled today, uh, thanks to technology, I think uh, at the end of the day, if you have to run this systematically and scale over a period of time, then you need an organization, you need, uh, you know, firstly, some principles and values which you kind of build into the whole thing. You need data insights, and it's not just what the machine churns out, but, you know, what people say, thick data in addition to big data, to kind of glean through all of that. Uh, and then we spoke about creativity and the power of idea. So there is, there is, I would say, an even more important role that human beings, and by that extension, organizations and agencies can play in this day and age of disruption. Yes, it's changed a lot, for example. But, and you know, I think that you said it very nicely. I think I caught something out there. So yes, but you need to really orchestrate this whole thing. Is that what the new agency is going to look like? An orchestrator of all of this, rather than a provider of a service. Yes, I think uh, in, in, if you look at, again, going back to the areas of growth, right, whether it's commerce, whether it's technology consulting, whether it's, uh, you know, the whole uh, experience management uh, services, it's bringing, yes, a lot of data, technology, and talent in-house. But, you know, the, I mean, the, the issues to contend with uh, for me would be, you know, what is it that you build versus what you buy? The classic uh, build-by question. Mm -hmm. uh, it will also be around partnerships. How could you leverage the ecosystem uh, in a more meaningful way to kind of drive that change? Uh, and, and yeah, I think, and, and then of course, uh, talent, 
uh, both the combination of upskilling existing talent as well as uh, natural hires. How do you get in people who worked in uh, different industries, people who worked in startups to kind of uh, come into your organization at different levels and, and help in a way be, be the change agents. So I think it's, it's, it's a combination of these which will uh, hopefully, uh, you know, make us more effective in our roles. But absolutely, I think we have we have a great opportunity to to play that role, and uh, we've been seeing it wherever we, uh, you know, got a more integrated model going. Uh, we're seeing strategic value. Controversial question for you is WPP India, which you had ahead of the WPP family globally in terms of the changes you're driving. I'm sure it'll get you into trouble with your boss if you, whichever way you answer. Well, I guess, I guess uh, what I'll be allowed to say to this question, and I'm sure this will get uh, supported, is I think we have a, a good, uh, I would say, model in India uh, where we obviously adapted the global uh, vision and strategy uh, very effectively in a local market. Uh, because yes, in, in, in any global organization, there, there obviously needs to be a clear vision and strategy, which is set at the top. But given that different markets uh, operate quite differently and are at different levels of maturity, et cetera, uh, you know, it's. I think at a local level, it's all about how do you translate that into a into a model that works in market. And uh, yeah, thanks to uh, a fantastic team, a great bunch of colleagues, I think we've been able to develop uh, a model in India that has worked well for us as a group. Uh, and yeah, there are five areas of focus, Suresh, for us as as WPP in India. I think uh, firstly, it's uh, all about client centricity. You know, and I spoke about that, right? How do you build more integrated models for for clients? so that they see the value of the overall group and not just individual opcos. The second is uh, clearly in the area of tech and data. You know, how do we leverage uh, you know, our strengths as a, as a group? How do we uh, you know, leverage partnerships, et cetera, and, and bring in a lot more tech and data into all our companies? Uh, third, of course, very importantly, people and culture. Uh, you know, how do we, in fact, we are uh, a market that not only has a chief people officer at WPP, but also a chief culture officer. Because we believe a lot of these things are cultural in nature and we need to bring about kind of cultural change. Uh, so that's an area of focus. And then simplifying our structure, given that, you know, we, we, we have a matrix kind of an organization, you know, how do you kind of uh, bring in more efficiency at the back end? Uh, and, you know, for example, the campus strategy that we have, both in Mumbai and Gurgaon, all WPP opcos now sit under one roof. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and last but not the least, uh, you know, social impact and sustainability uh, is another agenda that we drive uh, as WPP in, in in market. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a it's a it's a good model that has been developed. And uh, as but as they say, there are there are many more miles to go and a lot more things to be done. And one last question, Sini, which is really about from the consumer perspective, but also affects your industry. I think there's a growing concern among consumers, obviously, about the way that data is being used. Privacy is becoming important. Regulators are stepping in. But most importantly, one person simply changed the world by just saying that iOS 14 will not allow you to track devices. And we've led to the probably, actually, literally the single biggest drop in market capitalization of any company ever witnessed uh, post that when Facebook announced its results based on Apple's uh, changes. What's your take on that, both from a consumer perspective, which is, is it good for me, as well as from a business perspective as to what changes as a result of that? Firstly, Suresh, any simple rule in, in marketing, uh, which we've always followed, anything that's good for the consumer has to be good for everybody else, uh, the, the rest, of, rest of the value chain. So even this particular uh, development and the phasing out of cookies and, and all of that uh, and, and, and all the privacy debates, I think are extremely good debates. And uh, you know we, we see it to be positive development. I have my own personal 
uh, analogy and personal take, uh, Suresh, if I may be <laughs> allowed. Sure. I, I, I always felt that was probably the laziest form, one of the laziest forms of advertising, quite like celebrity advertising. Uh, now, now, now that that's out of the way, I think it's time to kind of apply, uh, you know, your left and right brain and do a lot of things uh, to kind of drive more strategic value. And let's talk about three, four things that, uh, that are happening all around us. Firstly, consumers investing time, energy, uh, money, effort to build their own uh, first party data stacks, right? Uh, and, and I think wherever we've seen that happen, uh, and it's obviously got fast tracked in the last couple of years, we are actually seeing uh, that activity by itself. This is again the cultural thing. That activity by itself transforming that organization. The organization is able to take a step back, look at the business a lot more holistically, look at everything with a data lens and make everything very accountable. And I'm not just talking marketing here, I'm talking supply chain, I'm talking just everything else. So that's, that's, that's the first positive development that's, that's come out of this. The second is, uh, you know, again, thanks to AI, uh, you know, utilizing uh, tools like let's say conversational AI to get more information about the consumer. And uh, we all know the benefit, right? It's more intent-based data that you get and it's always kind of going to be a lot uh, richer. Uh, the third uh, theme that we're seeing play out is, uh, you know, uh, brand owners increasingly getting conscious of what is the value I'm giving back to my consumer mm-hmm. for the data that I'm uh, kind of getting from her uh, is another positive development. And, and last but not the least, uh, you know, you obviously have to move away from individual targeting to an extent and look at cohorts and, and see what you can do with cohorts. Now, if you look at each of these uh, developments, Suresh, there are, there are positives, right? I mean, this whole thing about uh, for example, conversational AI, we said, is a lot more richer. Uh, it's more intent-based data. SPD, we already spoke about organizational, cultural kind of benefits. Uh, and this whole thing about the uh, you know value exchange with the consumer just brings in a lot of trust, transparency, openness, especially in this, this day and age, very, very important. And targeting of cohorts, again, you know, could lead to uh, you know, more interesting NPD ideas, new product development ideas, uh, which mm-hmm. may be uh, difficult if you do, if you're just caught up in, uh, uh, individual kind of base targeting. So, I mean, there are, there are like I said, it's, a, it's an opportunity to kind of reinvent the wheel uh, for, for, for an organization, marry left brain, right brain, and, uh, and most importantly, build a lot more trust uh, with the consumer, uh, which, which obviously is, is very, very good for business. So yeah, it's, a, it's, 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 it's in that sense, a positive development and interesting times ahead. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the one of the people who I've had on my podcast earlier this season, gentleman called Richard Kabakawala, he used to be very senior in the publicist group, uh, not the WPP, but he said something very interesting to me, and I really want to end on this one particular thing. He says algorithms look backward, people look forward, and essentially, I guess he's saying when you train an algorithm, you're looking at the data, but the data is always about the past, and it's trying to make a projection, but people have imagination which looks forward. Sitting as you are in WPP, coming as a media person, I just want your take on this whole thing of looking back and looking forward, the use of data and the use of your imagination. Any closing comments on that? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think uh, it's not one versus the other at the end of the day. I think it's uh, how do you build effective co-creation models between human beings and, uh, and AI ML. Uh, I mean, there are, there are some things which are absolutely forever, uh, the, you know, in the human domain, right? Whether it's uh, compassion, emotions, creativity, raw creativity, uh, strategy, empathy, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, and and uh, so, I mean, even if you look at 
the you know the AI part of marketing or or, or business transformation. You know whether it's in terms of ensuring you have the right kind of data, whether it's an it's ensuring you have uh, you know algos that are uh, you know transparent that are uh, accountable. You know it's all it's all done by human beings, right? So at the end of the day. Uh, it's like the coder uh, needs an artist to kind of tango at the end of the day. Otherwise, uh, there's only that much, uh, you know, the coder will end up uh, being able to achieve. That's a lovely way to end it. The coder meets the artist. And I guess that's what you're trying to drive in WPP. I know it's, uh, uh, you're sitting at, a, at the pinnacle of the Indian media and advertising landscape at a very, very interesting time. And there's so much change. More power to your elbow, uh, because I think um, you are in my own, working with you, I think you've always been able to straddle that media plus creativity uh, uh, conundrum, if you will. So, uh, Srini, I mean, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure. I think we could talk for hours more on what's been happening and what will happen in the industry. Uh, but uh, thank you very much for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you to share how I think you're driving the change and where you see the future going for advertising and media with the use of data. Thank you once again for being on the show. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Suresh. Look forward to catching up in person soon. Bye. Yeah. It, my viewers and listeners, thank you for listening to us today. Slaves to the Algo is available on YouTube, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, but we don't endorse Joe Rogan. We release a new episode every week, sometimes more frequently. If you like this episode, do not forget to like, share, and subscribe. And remember to mask up and stay safe. In spite of all that, COVID is still not fully behind us. Most importantly, stay relevant in the age of AI. Learn to tap the power of the data, but learn also how to harness the power of human emotion, as our guests pointed out so well today. See you all next week. Thank you.